Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Steen looking to get in again. The goalkeeper come a long way. And Bailey's thrown it in. John Bailey, one-time Rod League player, came into the professional game late at 26 and makes a dream first appearance at the big stadium with a goal. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Lockdown Interviews. This is Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name is Sam Davis and thank you so much for joining us. If you're not a subscriber to our YouTube channel, we're nearing 3,000. It's mad, really. 3,000 people interested in what we've got to say about the Cherries. Pretty mad. But part of the series is chatting to players and staff that have been there and done it for AFC Bournemouth. And the person we've got today, well, he's been there and done it on the biggest stage possible. Let's do it. So yeah, we're joined by yet another character in the Cherries Cavalry, by the way, of combative midfielder John Bailey, a player that wore his heart on his sleeve, playing 137 games for Boscombe, spanning five seasons. He was tough, he got rough, but his tenacity encapsulated the never-say-die era that most Cherries fans went through at the time. So, he chats about the slippery characters the clique of players that he simply couldn't stand, the rule he broke on the night before Wembley, plus how would have he dealt with what he calls the weasel? I wonder who that is. Forthright opinion, changing room fallouts, and the introductory phone call from Mel Machin where Bailey told him to F off. You couldn't make it up. He chatted to Jeff Hayward and Neil Dawson. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> what, what an introduction that is! Hey? <laughs> I was oh. trying to—I was trying to think of all the goals I scored. I can only think of four. I didn't well, realize I scored that many. Thirteen, thirteen, you got? I, no, I couldn't have. We'll check the records. We'll check the stats yeah. for you. But um, first and foremost, how, how are you doing? I mean, how, how are you getting on in this uh, this difficult time? You all right? I'm doing well, thanks. Yep, yep, doing well, Jeff. Got four, well, three teenagers. So, not too bad. Full on, I bet. Full on. Well, look, let's wind back right to the start of your career because before joining the Cherries in 1995, 
Um, you had a lengthy spell with Enfield and you were before that you were at Croydon. So just tell us about your, your journey into non-league football and, and then on to Bournemouth. So, so I started at um, Croydon when I was 18. Um, got into their first team when I, just after leaving the youth team. Um, yeah, so played a few games for them and then got dropped for a game and um, went to see the manager and said, look, I'm not happy you dropped me, so I'll, I want to leave. So I put in a transfer request and Dagenham and Redbridge came in for me. Well, sorry, it was Dagenham at the time. So, um, yeah, I went to Dagenham. Um, played for them and then Dagnum merged with Redbridge, so it became Dagnum Redbridge. They wanted to keep me, but they didn't offer me enough money. So I phoned up the PFA and said to them, look, I explained the situation. They said to me, look, they can't keep you because they're, they're, it's a different club now. So um, Pat Staunton, who was playing at the time with me, he spoke to to Enfield and um, Eddie McCluskey, and he he said, "Like come over, come over there." We had uh, we had Sean Teal on the show um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about how he wouldn't have had it any other way because uh, he came he came through uh, non league and into the league, and he, he said he always felt he appreciated it more than say guys that had come you know through Manchester United Academy. So you'd have, you'd have played with people like Mark Rawlinson and. Russell Beardsmore, who'd, who'd had like the posh life, and you'd come up like the slumlord. <laughs> do, do, do you feel like it, it did make it? Did it make you appreciate stuff more? Looking back at now, yes. I mean, I was at I was at Enfield for for a couple of years, and I wanted to. I really wanted to play in the conference because you know I was twenty five. Thought my time had gone, so I was you know really desperately wanted to play at a high level. A couple of weeks before the end of the season. We found out that we couldn't get promoted, so I was a bit gutted. Went to see the manager and said, "Look, I really want to play in the conference. Is I want to, you know, go to another side." Then one day I just received a call from Mel, and it was a it was bizarre because we had a guy called Paul Hobson who was playing for us, and he was uh, he was a Northerner just like Mel, and he phoned me. I got a phone call and he said, "Son." It's, it's Mel Machin. And I went, oh, fuck off, Paul. And he went, he went, he went no, son, it's Mel Machin from, from AFC Bournemouth. I went, Paul, fuck off, will ya? And um, he said, son, look, here's my number. Give us a ring. <laughs> so I put down the phone. He gave me this number. I phoned the number. And all of a sudden, hello, AFC Bournemouth. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so... Obviously, put me through to Mel Machin. I said, oh, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't know who he was, didn't know much about Bournemouth. I said, I'm really sorry. I thought it was a friend of mine. He said, oh, don't worry, son. Don't worry. Don't worry. He said, um, started going, oh, we really like you. I want you to come down, have a have a chat. And I thought, I'm still under contract with, with Enfield. But, you know, if, if you're willing to do that, I'll do that. And it just so happened we'd won the league. And our end of season tour was down at Bournemouth. So I left all the boys out on a night out, and went or sorry, evening out, and went to see. Um, forget the chairman. Mel wasn't there at the time. It was the, I forget the chairman at the time. Oh God! Was it Trevor Watkins then? No, it was no, before him. Not, was it um, Ken? Not that, not that twat. 
Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Ken Gardner. Yeah, it was Ken Gardner. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was Ken. So I went down there and I thought, oh, he's a bit weird. <laughs> Started showing me all the plans, what he had for the club and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, then next thing, went, went, went back to the boys, went home and then Mel phoned me the next day and said, look, we've put a bid in for you. Do you want to come and sign for us? And I thought, well, why not? And were you always a, a midfielder, even in your non-league days? Is that is that your position? Well, well I started off at right back for Croydon, okay. and then um, I was so young, I, I didn't know any other position. And then when Dagnam came in for me, I spoke to a guy called Joey Dunwell, who was manager then, and he said to me, "Look, if you don't play right midfield, we won't sign you." So that's when I became a right midfielder. That's a, that was a question I was going to ask. So, did you think um, had you given up on league football? So oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, it was yeah. out of blue, completely yeah. out of blue. Yeah, well, another little story. <laughs> so we just won the league, and we played. We played on the Saturday, but we still had two games left because um, we we were behind because of the FA Cup run against Leicester and that. And um, I went out with a guy called Al James Hannigan. We went out for the whole weekend, and we were. We didn't sleep for a couple of days and then we played Moldley on the Monday and Mel came to watch me that game. And it was the best game I had all season. I set up two, I hit the crossbar. I was just, yeah, it was unbelievable. And then... There you go. You there you go. The secret. Discover the secret. <laughs> yeah. uh, and when you... when you So when you settled into training, did you... Because we asked Sean Till this question as well. Did you arrive with a bit of a inferiority complex, a bit of self-doubt. Oh, totally. You did? Oh, oh, totally. I mean, when I was at, when I was playing non-league, I mean, no manager ever said anything to me. I I mean, I was, you know, they just left me alone and whatever. But when I went to, when I went to Bournemouth, I thought, oh, bloody hell, this is just weird. I mean, I've never, the first time we, um, we were going pre-season, we were going over to the Isle of Wight. Um, that was so. There was me, Jamie Victory, Mark Rawlinson, and Marcus Oldbury. We were the four new boys, yeah. And um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to be really sensible. And on the way over there, everyone was just drinking, everyone was the new lads. And I thought, that's a bit weird, Do you know. What I, mean? I thought I'd just stay a bit sober, won't, won't get into any mischief. So we got there, started training, and I picked up a bit of an injury. And I thought, oh. oh my, I think it was my hamstring. And I went to see Steve Hardwick, who was shit, by the way. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely useless physio. And uh, I said to him, Steve, my hamstring's really sore. And he said to me, yeah, you're going to play. I went, but I can't, my hamstring. He said, if you don't play, Mel will have the right hump with you. So I thought, all right, I'll play then. So anyway, we, I think we lost 2-1. But the, the winning goal for Bristol Rovers... It was my man, but I couldn't, I couldn't move. So he came in after the game and I was sitting there and I thought, oh, well, it's, you know, we lost 2-1, doesn't matter. And Mel went, you, son, what? And he, and he was absolutely slaughtering me and I thought, oh, crap. And I just nodded my head and that was it. He went berserk. He's frothing at the mouth. <laughs> he absolutely, and he went, you'll never play for me again, ever, ever. And I thought... I've not even kicked a ball. I was absolutely bricking myself. 
And then on the first preseason friendly, bloody hell. Yeah, and then and then we went over on the we went back to obviously went back over on the ferry, and I was absolutely gutted. And I thought that's it. I'm you know I'm not even kicked a ball yet. And then on the Monday morning, we went to training, but we was training at the ground. And if you went underneath the stand, it was about you could only get one person through the hallway. And I never forget, I walked through the door. And then all of a sudden, Mel Machin's coming the other way, and I thought, "Oh, I was, I've turned, I was, I thought, oh, what's he going to say?" And he walked up to me, put his arm around me, and he went, "All right, son, how are you doing? How's your weekend?" And I thought, "What? <laughs> you've just, you've just absolutely hammered me." <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was really, yeah, it was, yeah, it wasn't what I was used to, and yeah, it was a um, big eye opener. It sounds like you had a great relationship with Mel. Would you would you agree with that, John? <laughs> well, well, the the thing is, Mel was really old school. He really was. If you if you did what he told you to do, you were fine. I mean, we had some we had some good players at Bournemouth at the time. I mean, who oh, was the centre forward? We had um, put it this way. If you no, yeah, it's yeah. that big, big I, said, statue, I, I said good centre forward. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. If, if 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 you did what he said, you, you, you know, you got on really well with him. But you, you, if you didn't want to cross him because he was, um, yeah, he was a bit mental. And how did he work with uh, Willow? How did the the two sort of combine? <laughs> Don't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Willow won't mind me saying this, but so we used to go, we used to go training, and um, so John would take us training. He would set up everything, and then Mel wouldn't come until later. <laughs> and then Mel would come through the through the forest, and he and he'd look around and see what everyone was doing, and he he would say to John, John, what are you doing? Pick the, pick the cones up. <laughs> So, so we gave John Willow the um, the nickname of Johnny Pickup. <laughs> well, Sean, Sean O'Driscoll, was he? He was a first team coach as well, there, wasn't he? As well, at the same time. No, hated Sean. Was he not there? As a was he not part of the coaching team? No, he was um, youth team. Youth team was he? Right. Yeah, ju just as I left, he was. He took over. Yeah, I don't think Sean and I would have got on. No, he. he I think he liked. I think he liked people that just, he was quite quiet when he liked people that listened to him. And yeah. I mean, I was injured at the time, but looking at his, um, his sessions, his training. No, it, it just, no, I couldn't have done that. And, and, and John, you joined after the, the euphoria of that great escape season, 94, 95. And um, what, what was it like coming into that sort of changing room? And did it take you a while to, to break into the first team? Well, when Mel originally phoned me, he said, I want you to play right midfield. We've got a right midfielder there now. And I think he's he's had his days. And he went, Russell Beardsmore. Hmm. And I went, Russell? You want me to take Russell Beardsmore's place? Oh, yeah. I was like, really? Because <laughs> Russell Beardsmore was like, he was a Fergie fledgling, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was difficult. The, the thing was, I um I had a I had a kid quite young, so 
I had to leave my my family behind and had to go into digs. And um, yeah, I really, really struggled, really struggled. I even went into Mel halfway during the season and said to him, look, I'm not happy. I want to go home. Mm. I want to go back to non-league. I went, I went and watched a game at Enfield and spoke to the manager there at the time. It was George Borg and said, look, I want to, I want to come back to Enfield. And um, so he, we spoke and he said, well, go see your manager at Enfield or at Bournemouth and tell him what you've just told me and we'll, we'll sort it out. So I went to, to, to Mel and he was brilliant, actually. He was absolutely brilliant. He said to me, look, I understand, but he said, pack your bags, go home and travel in every day. He said, and then see how you get on. So that's what I did. I just packed my bags and just went home and traveled in. And then within a within a couple of weeks, I was playing better. I was back in the team. So yeah, it was um yeah, no, that's what that's what I did. I think that's uh, Steve Harbuck on the phone. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say about me? Well, we, we, we never called him Steve Harbuck, we used to call him Steve Hardon. <laughs> I bet he. Uh, I would imagine he grew up getting used to that though when he was a I know, kid. He, no, honestly, he was a really nice guy. He was yeah. he, you know? I don't look. We the facilities at Bournemouth at the time were not good. Yeah, yeah, not good. We did. We had hard. I mean, he, we we used to injured people used to go in there, and he used to have this ultrasound, and he used to do the ultrasound, and a couple of months later, he had it looked at, and the guy said, "Oh." It's, broken it's not been working yeah. i remember one of your first i think uh you, when you first broke into the team i remember as fans we always thought that you were like a sort of a ball winning right-sided player and i remember being, seeing you playing one game it might have been away at luton but my memory might be escaping me where you had a really good game and it was surprising because you had a lot more tricks than you it wasn't really you weren't really a ball winner. you were quite a tricky player to to you got past people you had a bag of tricks didn't you well, I thought I did when I was at Enfield. I that's what I was. That was that was my game. But then when I went to to when I came to Bournemouth, Luton, we played them in the. I think they were a division higher than us at the time. We played them in the cup. That was and, it. Yeah, and, and Fletch got injured. That was when he had his bad knee. So at half time, Fletch came off, and I came on, and. Um, yeah, that was the that was my first. Um, I came on for ten minutes against Bradford at the start of the season, where we lost one nil. Yeah, and then Luton was the next game in the, um, the I think it was the Littlewoods Cup at the time. Yeah, no, I remember that one. I remember that one. And then you really you really established yourself in the in the in the second season uh, properly, and you had a great partnership with Neil Young, didn't you? On the on the right hand side, which I always thought if you were. If you were like a dainty left winger playing for the opposition, that must have been an absolute nightmare. But um, was that something you worked a lot on or was it just natural? Do you know what? I don't want to blow our trumpets, Neil and I, but not much got down our side. I mean, we had a great understanding. And I remember in training when Mel used to work on stuff like, you know, because it almost felt like he was the winger and I was the right back because he'd play it to me and then he'd just go. He would yeah. just, he'd run past me. So I'd have, I'd have to pass him. The amount of times we had an argument in training, Neil and I, that I used to say to him, look, I'm the right midfielder. You're the right back. Yeah. Let me, let me do that. 
but no, yeah, we had a we had a good understanding, Neil and I. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, was that also the season when we had uh, in our back four Rio Ferdinand for a, for a time and Michael Dubry as well? Was that the second? Uh, uh, I think it might second, have been the second season. Yeah, you were there. yeah. We had, um, yeah, that's one of my claims to fame, actually, Rio. Because I used to pick him up and drop him home. Right. Did you teach him everything he knew? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no. I wonder if you'll look back and say it was those car, tri- it was those car chips where I learned how to track a centre forward. It was. <laughs> no. He, 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 you know, he was. I think he was. What was he? Nineteen when he came to us. He was just. Yeah. I mean, Mel used to call him class. That's. Yeah. He never used to call him Rio. Class, come here. Class. <laughs> that was great, and we went on a really good run in that season, didn't we? They. I mean, we kept. I think we had a record number of clean sheets or something with those two playing. I mean, it was it was fantastic. It must have been it must have been a great side to play in, wasn't it? That team. Do you know what, Jeff? I can't remember much about. That year, it's yeah, it's very it's vague. That that year, I can't I can't even remember where we came. That I think did we struggle? That year, the yeah, that year I think we I wrote it down. I think we came sixteenth. Yeah, year. yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, we did. We, I, I, that's all I can remember. We did struggle that year. Actually, I think it was after. Um, because Rio left, went back to, I think he went to he Leeds. Did. Yeah, he went to Leeds. I don't know what Michael Dubry did. But yeah, it's um, very vague that year. Obviously, one of the one of the great players in that side was Eddie Howe, wasn't it? Uh, did, did you, um, could you see that, is obviously he got his move to the Premier League and unfortunately it didn't last. Could you see the player that he was? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I, I mean he was a good player. Was Portsmouth in the Premier League when he went there? He got injured. At, yeah, yeah they, they were in the yeah. Premier League. He played one game, I think. Yeah, yeah, he got injured at Preston. I think. I think it was against yeah. Preston. He got injured. But um, no, I, you know, I mean, he was a good player. He was just like me. He just worked hard. He wasn't the most gifted player, yeah. like me. And he, he he'd admit that. Um, so, but no, I, I didn't see that and. I didn't see him being a manager either, if, if I'm honest with you. Well, that was going to be my next question. So, the because uh, I think a few people have said that, but not just about Sean O'Driscoll, but also about Eddie Howe, is that if they if they were going to write a list of players who they thought were going to make it as managers, they wouldn't have been on it. So, if Eddie made his debut, I think, 96, was it? 96, 97? Yeah. And if you'd have gone round the change room and said, who will be a manager, he would have been the last person that there's... Yeah, no question. He would have been, he'd have been the last person you'd have, you'd have thought of. So something else that was pretty, uh, pretty difficult around those times was the financial troubles the club was in. So tell, tell us what it was like playing in, in, under those sorts of difficulties when you weren't even sure you were going to get paid some weeks, were you? It, yeah. Do you know what? If I'm honest with you, it didn't really affect us as players. It doesn't affect you. It doesn't really affect you. Yeah. We, I think at the time, was it 96, 97, the first time? Yeah, I think so. First yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no. The, the thing is, it, did, it didn't affect us as players. And at the time, I was like a, I'm a Tottenham fan. 
but I also supported Millwall. And a lot of my friends were Millwall supporters. And Jamie Vinson, his dad knew the Millwall chairman. And at the time, he said if the club does go bust, then he would have Jamie and I. Okay. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I don't think it does affect the players. I don't, you know, I think that's all that's rubbish. You know, it doesn't. What goes on outside of the, the football, I don't think it affects players. Were you at the Winter Garden? You were at the Winter Gardens, though, weren't you? When with the two thousand fans crammed in and the buckets going around. Yeah, with the buckets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that must have been quite moving when you saw the just the effort that all like the communities go to to keep the club going. Uh, it was um, it, yeah, it was unreal. I mean, like I say, I just I just joined the club. I did, you know, I didn't know much about what was going on. Or yeah, yeah it was the only per- the only the thing is the only person I can remember from those sort of days is Dave Stone. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think he was you know he was influential with. All the stuff that went on then, wasn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah. Still, he's still a big fan now. And um, you mentioned Trevor Watkins briefly earlier. So, what what was it like when when he he sort of came in and took control? I don't think he really came in and took control, did he? No. Well, he told a story no. about taking all the money from the Winter Gardens in, and and you know taking it out and leaving it in his car overnight or, or something, which I thought was kind of unreal. I don't know too much about that. Mel, when Trevor was there, Mel run the club. It wasn't, you know, Trevor Watkins didn't have any say in anything at the club. It was all, it was all Mel. The the thing, the thing is, um, he wrote a book, didn't he, Trevor? Yeah. 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 Did you ever read the book? I did. I think. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't ever going to win any literary awards, was it? Well, I fell out of him over the book because he put something in there about me, and I thought. No, I, I went in and saw him when I heard about it and I wasn't happy with what he put in there. He called me a street urchin. Did he? Like yeah. That, yeah, he called me a street urchin. I was not happy. No. He said, oh, I, can't, I can't remember what it actually said, but yeah, I wasn't happy about it. I didn't like him. Slippery. Yeah. Slippery. Yeah. He, he was, a, he was, a, was he a solicitor by trade, I think? Yes, he was, he was yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, all right. I obviously didn't appreciate people that come up on the other side of the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about happier times then. The following season was Wembley. So, what do you remember of the of the road to the the famous stadium, that cup run? Uh, so, I think more deception. So, from the semi final, I, I think we played Warsaw away. Um, Russell scored. Russell Beersmore scored, and. I think Mark was it um centre half? What's his name? The French guy. Frank Rolling. Rolling, Frank, I think. Yeah, Frank Rolling. I think those two scored scored the goals. Yeah. And then um the second leg, oh, it was just it was mad. I mean, we were two new up for we we're at Wembley, and then they went two new up. And then I think Youngie scored, didn't he? Neil Young scored to make it two one. Was it Youngie? I can't remember. Well, Frank Rollins scored, definitely scored in the second game, didn't he? I think he scored. Yeah. yeah he, he scored the crucial goal. It was, we lost, but we needed we that goal to get to Wembley. That's right. We lost 3 2. He scored the, the goal. And then, um, yeah. so 
yeah, we couldn't get off the pitch. So there was me and Coxie who couldn't get off the pitch. So it, it was just mad. And then I thought, oh, we're at Wembley. Oh, I was going mad. And then got into the changing room and it was all silent. And so me and Coxie sort of run through the door and it was all silent. We were going, Wah! and we looked around and <laughs> it was like, what's going on? And Mel went, fucking useless, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, we're through. It was, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. It's, it's like, weird as fans as well, because you don't... I mean, we went absolutely mental at the end. And you just, it's really weird to go mental at the end of a game you've lost. Yes. I guess if you, if you support a team that plays in Europe, you might go through that quite a bit. Yeah. But obviously, we, we never have. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird thing. Yeah, it was, it was for us. I mean, Coxie and I... Well, Coxie came from non-league as well. So, yeah. yeah, it was weird for us. And then to get through to the final... I mean, the, the week leading up to it, it was brilliant. Uh, it was just, you know, we had the we had this song, um, "Cherries Alive." Oh God, yeah. When, when it, <laughs> went, went, went into the studio to do that. That was brilliant. Um, so we all had sort of like little bits. I think there was me, Coxie, Fletch. Um, I think there was a couple of others who had like little cameos in it. Yeah. And, and um, so we all did that and then we, we went home and then Fletch went went back to the studio and said, I don't like my bit. He said, can I change it? <laughs> <laughs> so he actually went back to the studio and re-recorded his um, little cameo in it. He is such a professional, isn't he? Oh, uh, professional. <laughs> yeah, I'm being <laughs> ironic, right? <laughs> yeah. He taught a Fletch talked a lot um, uh, about his before he changed and became uh, better living. He 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 was a right party animal in those days. Did you ever go out on the source with him? He was the life and soul of the party, Fletch. Yeah, he really was. I think I, I think it was the injury he, he got in '95. Um, after the the Luton game, he um because that he, he was out for a year after that and was told he yeah, no. he got told he'd never play again and um yeah I think that's what really sent him over the edge. And did you feel sorry for Frank Rolling? Because I mean he scored in every round no. and then doesn't play. No, you didn't. No, no. <laughs> he was French. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. I hated all the French lads that were there. They were, oh, they were horrible. You had Frank Rowling, you had Bolly, you had um, Bo, is it? Well, there was, um, there was Berta, Mohamed, Mohamed Berta. Berta. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I, I was going to come on to them. I mean, those two, I mean, how and why did they ever get to play at the club? I mean, it must have been weird having, having French players who only played for, what, a few games, didn't they? And then they moved on again. Well, Willie Huck as well. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't like, I didn't like any of them. Were they a clique? Did they just used to hang yeah. around together? Yeah, yeah, they did definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one training session. We, because um, I didn't like any of them, and I weren't afraid to tell any of them. And um, I remember one training session. Me and um, but what's his name? The big boy. What's his name? Um, Roger Bollywood. The big one. The big one in mid. He used to play right back. Um, Mohammed Berta. Yeah, Mohammed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we went in for a tackle. And then all of a sudden he's grabbed me by the neck. 
<laughs> she got me up by the neck because he, you know, he knew we just didn't get on. One of my favourite memories of that era was seeing him playing at Basingstoke Town away in a cup match. And I, I imagined thinking, what must he have thought turning up at that game? I remember it well because he was playing central midfield and I was playing right midfield. And at half time, Mel said to him, you are shit. You're never, <laughs> you can't, you can't play central midfield. So I went to central midfield and then he went to right back, uh, right midfield. Yeah. After that, I don't think he played many games. He didn't, although he did score. No. I always remember he, the only thing he did do was he scored one thirty yard. It was one of the hardest I've ever seen anyone hit a ball in my life. Um, but I think that was about his only contribution to the to the club, wasn't it? Yeah. So the um, did so you back, back to Wembley? Back to yeah. Wembley. Sorry, yeah, we sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah back right. to yeah. The week leading up to it was yeah, it was probably better than the game itself, actually. Although I did score, but it was yeah, it was it was yeah. We, we had did you a great stay time. away a hotel night before? Did you do the old big coach going in like FA Cup job? Well, yes, we we stayed in the hotel the night before, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you a little story that probably I shouldn't tell you, but I will do. <laughs> no, you should. You should. Many many years have passed. You're safe. So many many years have passed. So Emma, my late wife she came and stayed at the hotel the night before that game and uh <laughs> if mel would have found out i don't think i would have played <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic fantastic yeah. i mean the whole experience of going into those changing rooms go you know wembley way and all of that i mean i know it's it it, it wasn't the fa cup but it's it, it was massive for the town mm. what what was it like just the excitement on the coach and the build-up on the day itself must have been something, wasn't it? Uh, well, when you grow up, you see all the, the um, they used to do the FA Cup from 11 o'clock right to the, through to the kickoff and that. So we, we, we left the hotel. And as soon as we left the hotel, there was just coaches and coaches of Bournemouth supporters bibbing and flags out. And, and then when you drive into Wembley, oh, it was, yeah, it was brilliant. It was, it was a mate. I mean, it, it, me and my dad always laugh about it. It's the only game my mum's ever been to. She went on a bus from work and we're like, she suddenly announced her, so I'll be there as well because we'd had our tickets for ages. And we like, buses, buses of like women from hotels going. It was, it was absolutely, it was absolutely amazing. So your goal, um, I watched it back today, actually, to refresh my memory. Did you, did you have a mini crap yourself moment when you realised it was a <laughs> it was <an> open goal? <laughs> I think I only scored two that season. So one was against South End when we lost 5-3 away. Yeah. And that one. And um, friends of mine had actually put money on me to score. It was 33 to one. One, one, one of my friends had £40 on it, won 1,200 quid. But, yeah, I mean, it was such a bizarre feeling, you know, scoring and then just running away. And Because the thing was that the week before, all the players who normally score were practicing their celebrations and all that. <laughs> yeah. So and I never, I never got involved because <laughs> I, I didn't score. And then when I scored, I run away and I look around and no one's there. And then all of a sudden, Robbo, Robbo comes and jumps on me. But yeah, no, it was brilliant. 
I bet Fletch had spent hours doing his <laughs> in front of the mirror. He would have had it all all all, uh, all signed off. The thing that struck me, I mean, going to Dean Court where you're, you're in amongst a crowd of 5,000 and then suddenly at Wembley and there's like 70,000, 35,000 Bournemouth fans there. What was it? What must that feel like for you? Every every kid's dream, isn't it? I mean, you know, you grow up thinking of playing at Wembley. Every yeah. every kid who plays football dreams about that. Um, yeah, and I was no different. It was a, it was the strangest way to lose a game because I don't know how many games of professional football have had a golden goal in them. There can't have been there can't have been many. Uh, I mean, I've only ever seen it on when you're playing FIFA. Uh, and I was because I was telling my lad about it the other day, and I said, yeah, there was an actual game uh, that I've, I've actually watched. I mean, what if that was it? Like whistle gone over, horrific, wasn't it? I think it was the only year they did the um, golden goal. Yeah. But if, I, if I'm really honest with you, it was a day out for everybody. For the, you know, it was a cup game. It was there was nothing riding on it. There was no promotion or anything like. So, although we'd lost, it didn't feel like that to me. Yeah. You know, we had you know we had a party afterwards, whether we won or lost, mm. and the party felt like it was for me because I'd scored. I mean, <laughs> I, I couldn't stop smiling all night. I, yeah. Yeah, fantastic memories. Mel was legendary for his bollockings, wasn't he? What's other than like you said about yourself? What other players do you remember? Anyone else getting spectacularly taken apart by him? Yes, <laughs> we played Warsaw away. We lost two nil, and Rob Murray, the ball got played over the top, and oh, Mel absolutely crucified him. Absolutely crucified him for the whole half time. And that was the last game he played, Rob, because he answered he answered Mel back. Right. Told, he told Mel to f off, and Mel was not happy about that. But the best the best one was we played Burnley away. It was an evening game, and um, we lost one nil. But we we had a penalty, and Robbo was our penalty taker at the time, and he hit the post. <laughs> and at half time, I think it was half half time or full time, Mel came in and, and went. Why didn't you put it the other way? <laughs> and, and Robbo went, he started going fire. And, and all of a sudden, he, he, with that, he sort of told Mel to F off or something, went into the toilet, and then Mel followed him, grabbed him by the neck. <laughs> I was trying to fight him. And, and then me and Jason Brissett, like, because we were nearer the, the, the door, we ran in there to drag Mel off him. Blimey. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, he was meant, he was, during the game, after the game, he was mental, but you go in on a Monday morning and he was a different, he, yeah, completely different person. Are you still in touch with him, John? Are you still in touch with Mel? No, 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 I, I've not spoken to Mel since I left, actually. He said some nice things about me in the press afterwards, actually, so, yeah, I've got a lot, a lot to thank Mel for. You mentioned you mentioned Jason Brissett there. That was a name I forgot. Now he was an interesting player, wasn't he? Because he was either so one 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 game in eight, he looked like Lionel Messi, didn't he? And then the other seven games, he looked like Lionel Blair. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're being a bit kind to him. One in eight. <laughs> oh, that's a spectacular effort. That was pure magic. Jason Brissett with one of the best goals of the season so far. 
and just coming up to half an hour Bournemouth go one up with a spectacular goal from Jason Brissett no, well, I mean, I... he didn't have some talent didn't he the thing was we, we played a 4-4-2 and um, I was right midfield he was left midfield but when Mel used to whenever we did anything in training or half time or anything they used to say get the ball to Briss never to me it was always <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would always have to tuck in and Briss would be but you're right he was he, he was such a good player but yeah he was one in eight but Jason and I didn't really see eye to eye really because when I was um when I was really struggling when I first joined, he used so when the, the when Mel used to name the team, he used to laugh when I wasn't in it. He used to, you know, he used to absolutely hammer me when I wasn't in the team. And then um when we used to travel, Jason and I used to meet up. So he used to travel one day and I used to travel the next. And we wouldn't talk the whole way. The whole way we wouldn't talk to each other because I just didn't like him. But we just had that sort of agreement that we'd um, get in each other's cars. And <laughs> yeah. uh, we, I mean, we had some real quality players around that time, John, as well. That 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 sort of era. There was Ian Cox was a great player. There was Robbo, of course, was great. We had Mark Steen. He played with Richard Hughes, Jamie Vincent. I mean, we had some real quality, didn't we, in that team? Yeah. No, we did. We we you know I think it was ninety seven. Was it ninety seven? We finished seventh. We should have gone up yeah, that yeah. year, I think. We, sh we should have. I mean, yeah, we were in the top six the whole time and then last game of the season, we just we blew it, didn't we, against Wrexham? Why well, do you yeah. think that team didn't achieve what it should? Was it down to tactics or was it individuals uh, or luck? Or If I'm honest, I think it was down to Mel, really. He was old school. There was no... I mean, our, our week was... So we'd play a game on a Saturday. We'd have the day off on a Sunday. Monday, we'd run from Boscombe Pier to Bournemouth Pier, have a ch hot chocolate on the pier. Tuesday, we'd have a game. Wednesday, we'd have off. Thursday, we'd have a blowout because we'd been out. Everyone had been out in, in Bournemouth on the Wednesday. Fridays would be free kicks and set plays and stuff like that. So there was no tactics with, with Mel. It was it was almost like go out there and do what you can do. Yeah. Which, considering the talent of some of those players, I mean, it it sort of worked, didn't it? It nearly worked. It nearly worked, but I think if Sean would have been in charge that year, I think we would have probably made the playoffs. And that's no disrespect to Mel at yeah. all. But I, I love Mel, and you know, like I say, I've got a lot to thank him for. But tactically, there was no. Yeah, it was. There was no. I remember seeing some fantastic goals that season from Mark Steen. What was he like to play with? Um, frustrating. Frustrating. I mean, yeah, quality player, but yeah, I had a few run-ins with, with Mark. Yeah. It was lazy. It was too, you know, he'd score a goal and, you know, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't like him. Him and, Fletch, him, and, him and Fletch were the perfect partnership for lower league football, I always thought, weren't they? Flick on and the one would flick on, the other one run on a score. It was like lower league football at its best, wasn't it? That? Yeah, I mean, Fletch was, yeah, he did, he did all the work. Fletch, I mean, Mel, Mel used to hammer Fletch as well. Hmm. 
yeah, used to absolutely hammer him for not making the runs. And I don't think he ever said a bad word to Mark Steen. Yeah. And uh, we had another player in that team who always fascinated me, Krista Warren, who who looked like, again, on his day, bags of talent, but just just sort of too few the day he's when he really was on it. The, the thing was, I felt sorry for Krista because he was a centre-forward. He came to Bournemouth as a centre-forward and um, Mel made him into a, a left-back, which he wasn't. He wasn't a left-back. So I did feel a bit sorry for him. But, yeah, he was a good lad, Krista. I really like Krista. Got really we, we, used to have a, we used to have a running joke, me and the people I used to go and ma- with matches to at, at that time, that everyone got made into a left-back by Mel because... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Russell Beardsmore Russell Beardsmore played right wing for Man United That's got me right, the left yeah. back and uh, so how do you how do you do that Crystal Warren was a centre forward for Southampton got made a left back it's like whoever rocked up I can see a left back in you yeah yeah I know well that was Mel <laughs> yeah he he had an eye for players but at the same time he, he ruined some players at Bournemouth Mel did Dave, Dave Town I don't know if you remember him Dave Town yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, in training, he was just incredible. He's finishing everything about him. You'd think this, you know, this kid is going to go far. And yet in a, ga- in a game, he just had to put one foot wrong and Mel would absolutely destroy him. It's interesting uh, you say that because I always thought Dave Town looked nervous on a football pitch. Yeah, he was. He was. But yeah. in training, if you saw him in training, he was yeah. a totally different person. No. Fascinating. And then you had Jimmy Glass in goal. What was what was playing in front of Jimmy like? <laughs> <laughs> Look, Jimmy and I didn't we didn't get on when he was when we when we played together. I just didn't like. Yeah, we just didn't get on. But you know, I get on really well with Jimmy now. He gets me tickets for games and stuff like that. But at a time, yeah, I, I didn't get on with him. He never took no responsibility, Jimmy, for his mistakes. I remember his first game. First game we played Hull, Hull away. We at their old place. We drew one all, and um, I think we were one nil up. It was about ten minutes to go, and the guy from the opposite side from where I was playing, he put a cross in, and I was just about to header it away. And Jimmy went goalie's ball, and as he came out, he missed it, and I sort of ducked because he called, and then the guy behind me put it in, scored, and then um, we got in. At, full time and Mel said well Mel really laid into me and said that's your fault blah why didn't you header it away and I went he said goalkeeper's ball and as I turned around and pointed to Jimmy Jimmy went oh I didn't (laughs) (laughs) so that that's how it all started with Jimmy and I I just yeah I just thought no yeah you could have could have owned up to that one (laughs) but the best one with Jimmy was um who did we play we played someone, we drew three or at home. Oh, God, who was it? Anyway, he, Mel, we came in at half time. Mel blamed him for one of the goals. He, he walked out of the changing room. <laughs> Didn't even listen to the team talk, just walked out of the changing room. That's why Mel, I think, why Mel got rid of him. Yeah. Because he, he had too much to say, Jimmy. The, uh, the, so your, your career um, started to, come to an end through injuries what was there like a series of injuries or one bad one or how did it how did it come about yeah it was an, it was um we were playing head tennis in the car park oh bloody hell yeah, yeah. so there was me fletch robbo scott mean 
I can't remember who else. But yeah, you know the barriers they use, the police use to keep the crowds apart. The, yeah, yeah. They're only about four foot tall. We were playing head tennis with those, and I think I was on Fletcher's side. He headed the ball, and as it, I was trying to head it over, but with my back to the to the railings, and fell on the railings, and that's how I did my back. Bloody hell. I never knew that. I never knew that. Yeah, so that, that's how I did it. And then we played, I think we played Oldham, Oldham away. And I said to Mel, Mel, my back doesn't feel right. He said, oh, just travel with us and see how you feel. So I went, Steve Hardwick tried to manip, do something to my back and he, he made it worse. And um, yeah, so I, did, I, I, did, I didn't play for, for a couple of weeks. And yeah, it just wasn't the same. And every time I try to come back, it just wasn't wasn't right, and then we played Colchester, um, Willie Huck's first game, and um, Robbo was on international duty with Northern Ireland, and Richard Hughes was, was with Scotland under twenty ones. So I went out for the warm up. I come back in. I said, "Mel, I can't play. I'd had I'd had anti-inflammatories. I'd had Neurofen. So I'd had loads of." painkillers before I went out there but I could still feel it it was really bad <laughs> and at the time Mel was go Mel was going to have an operation on his hip he was on crutches I think at the time he's he was struggling with his hip so I came in at I came in before the game I said Mel I can't play honestly it's just too bad and Mel went son come on I need you I need you he said look I'm having a hip operation he said I've got these painkillers they're really strong <laughs> Jesus <laughs> he said, honestly it's god's, god's truth he said to me take a couple of these so i'd already had loads anyway so he gave me these painkillers and i thought oh, what well, you know me being me as as i was i just took them and then all of a sudden i started the game i thought oh, my back is killing me i can't move and then all of a sudden i was thinking oh must be must be in my head <laughs> <laughs> felt fine and th but then yeah, next day I, I, I couldn't even get out of bed. And I didn't play for months after that. Yeah. Do you think it's, is it one of them injuries that if, if you played now for a Premier League club, they'd have sorted it out? Or was it or was it not, or, or was it not a reflection on what, do, what level you're at? Do you know what, Neil? The, the thing was, when I got injured with the back, Steve Hardwick kept trying to get me back. He kept trying to... All of what I really needed was rest. But when you're playing professional football, you, you they don't see that you need yeah. rest. They see you need no, you need to be in the gym. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. But it wasn't because when I retired from football nine months later, my back was fine. Right. So it was just rest I needed, and not not painkillers, and not manipulation, and not you know inject. I mean, I had, I think I had about nine injections in my back. Up in London. So did it? Uh, and did the club look after you? Did it end all right? Or no, it didn't end well. Neil didn't end well at all. Um, so I still had a couple of years left on my contract. Um, so I had two years left on my contract. I went in and saw Andrew Dawson. We sorted out a payment. He said, "You know, look, I'll give you six months' money, and then we'll guarantee you a, a, a game." And we guarantee you fifty thousand pounds from the game. And Mel at the time had um, 
he said, look, I'll, I'll get you Man United. We'll play Man United. You'll definitely get 50 grand. So then when the time came to, to play Man United, Mel called me in and said, look, we can't get Man United now. Just can you hang on a bit? And I said, well, not really, Mel. I need the money. He said, look, we'll give you a certain amount of money every month if you hang on. And I said, okay, then. So I'll, I'll do that. Cut, a few months went by, end of season. I went in and I said, are we planned? He said, look, I can't get you Man United, um, but I can get you Man City. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll wait. He said, can you wait? I waited another couple of months. Then Peter Grant come in and then they said, we can't get you Man City. We'll get you Celtic. Then it was Southampton. And this went on for about two years. And then they said, um, I moved house in July 2004 sorry, June 2003. And in, in July, they sent me a letter saying, you're not getting any money. So PFA got involved. Anyway, I ended up getting probably £10,000 off the club and um, they owed me 28000 right. And then the next minute, they um, we went into administration. So I got told I wasn't getting anything. So, you know, that's, that's how it ended at the time. But... You know, years, you know, as you know, I lost my wife um, a few years ago and she need, there was a, a treatment in Germany that she could have and it might, you know, might work and blah, blah, blah. So I went to Eddie. I said, look, Eddie, the club's in a, a you know, a good financial situation now. Any chance I can have the money? He said, John, listen, we can't, we can't do that. But he said, what I'll do is, I do it like a question and answer night for you. So, um, yeah, he, well, I say he, Jimmy organised all that and we, we had that a few years back and funny enough, that generated £28,000. So, yeah. That was lovely. That was lovely. Yeah. How, how do you feel about the club now, John? I mean, it, some good memories, but obviously some painful ones too. How do, how do you actually feel about Bournemouth and when you watch them play? Do you know what? I think we were sport for five years. I mean, what a journey we went on for five years with Eddie. Premier League, it was unbelievable. I mean, I still can't believe that we, we've been in the Premier League, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, a bit, bit, bit mixed, actually. A bit mixed. Did you... Um, uh, could you ever see it happening? Because for us, uh, it, it really was... Um, something that we never ever foresaw, and it was just—it was just like a complete dream. Particularly the g going up, and then the first year in the Premier League. We like, so when am I going to wake up? And this is not real. I think, like every supporter at the time, we only thought it was going to last a year. Let's be honest, didn't we? Yeah. You know, little Bournemouth in the Premier League, and then two, then three, then four, then five. I think we've just been spoiled, and 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 you know, now. People think we've got a divine right to be in the Premier League, which, you know, I said I, I put on Twitter that what we need to do now is just survive in the yeah. in the Championship. I mean, yeah, you know, you got teams like Southampton who've been down to the First Division. You got teams like Leeds who've been down to the First Division. They're lucky enough to get back up. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we would be lucky enough to get back up if we went that far down. 
Where do you think it went wrong? Where do you think it went wrong? Because we 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 kind of consolidated ourselves, and we probably went into last season with what was on paper the best squad we've ever had in the club's history. Where do you think it went wrong? What in the Premier? The last year in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, where do you think it went wrong, Neil? I don't know. I think I think maybe some of the players didn't have the hunger and desire that some of the older ones had. I think maybe we didn't adapt tactically, um, having played similar ways for a long time. Um, I think it's a combination of a number of factors, really. But I, th- I think I think Eddie got a bit obsessed with with not losing games. He got a bit obsessed with the defence and forgot about you know the DNA of our attacking play, and and you know it just got a bit tired. I think as well. And I, I, and I don't see any of that, to be honest with you. I just see it as we had players. Uh, we had King, Brooks. We had all the we had the players that were you know playing international football. And I, I get it. I get it. We're struggling. They could lose their place. You know, King at Norway. What you? And that little weasel. I mean, that little weasel has got a lot to do with it. Let's let's be honest. I mean, he he admitted that he he didn't play for the club for what six months. So we played in the Premier League with ten men for six months. You mm. you can't do that. You can't have players like that. Yeah, I, I we know you, we know we know what you mean, John. You don't don't need to say it. We know what you mean. I don't. A lot of people don't realise what Eddie put into that club. Mm. What his backroom staff put in. How hard they work. I mean, I've been down there. They they work their absolute socks off, and I, and it really winds me up when I hear people say, "Oh, it's friends this and friends that." It's not. It wasn't. Eddie would not have people there if they couldn't do a job. Mm. Eddie, Eddie's Eddie Howe, probably one of his best friends, was James Hayter, and I said to Eddie, "What about James? What, what haven't you got anything here for him?" And he said, "John, no, I haven't." Mm. And I was like, "Well, he's your friend." He went. He can't get. He, he's got to offer me something, and all these boys here, they offer me something. And plus, I trust them. Mm-hmm. And he said, I trust every single one of them. And they work. They do work so hard. I mean, you know, it. It would be, yeah, it would be a, a shame if, if you know, if they get rid of all the the, the Bournemouth contingent. Were you surprised he went? A little bit I was, yeah, but as soon as he went, I thought, I know what's happened. He's gone in, he's seen whoever and said, right, I want to I stay, I want to get back up. This is what I want. Can you guarantee that? And the answer was, no, we can't. And Eddie's gone, see you later then. You obviously played with both Jason and Eddie. So what, what do you think of, of Jason taking over? What about his appointment? I was surprised. I was really surprised he took over because um, you've got to give it to him. He, he, you know, if this, if it didn't work, that's it. He's finished in football. What what else can he What else can he do? So uh, you know, I was a bit surprised that he he took over. I don't know whether he took over with Eddie's best wishes or not. I don't know. I, you know, whether he stabbed Eddie in the back or not. I really don't know. But yeah, I was really surprised. And if you were Eddie's agent, where would you advise him to go next? Celtic, Newcastle, anywhere else? I can't see it. I, I just can't. I think if it's not a London club, I can't see it. 
Mm. I mean, Jason, Jason's not going to last long. Come on, let's be let's be honest. I'm surprised. I'm you know, fair play to him. He took it on. It's, but no, he's he's got to go. He's got to go. Are you, and well, I, you, and don't I, he, you don't think he's getting the best out of what he's got? No, no, he's not going to get the best out of what he's got, Neil. He's not going to. He's a, he's an assistant manager. He's not a manager. They won't play for him. Look at Brooks when he came off the other night, kicking what this and that. Do you think they'd have done that with Eddie? They're not playing for Ed. They're not playing for Jason. They're playing for themselves. They're playing to get moves moves away. They some of them think they're too good for for Bournemouth. Hmm. What, yeah. would you say, what would you say to them if you got a chance to give a team talk? What would you say? Oh, listen. Uh, what what can you say to people who don't want to be there? What can hmm. you say to people like King Brooks? I mean, I'd love, I'd love to have been there when Fraser was there. Sorry, did I call him Fraser? Weasel. You did, yeah. Yeah, you did call him Fraser. Yeah. Little weasel. How, how could anybody... Oh, just, yeah. It's it's one of those... Yeah, we, we had Tommy Heffernan on the show, and I think he would have loved to have trained with Ryan Fraser as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's... Yeah, I just can't believe what he what he did. After everything that the club had done for him, Eddie did for him, why would you not want to play for Eddie? Mm. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that Eddie got frustrated about last year. I think you could see that in the players, and, and yeah. that that must have hacked him right off. But you, but what players? What what players do you mean that would? Well, you know, I mean, personally, last season there were a lot of them that I thought underperformed. You know, Callum didn't have a great season, did he? Let's let's be honest, and. And that that must have been a massive disappointment for him that he didn't score the number of goals that he could, he was more than capable of scoring. Yeah. No, I, I think with, with Callum, I think what 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 it was, he's an England international. They're struggling at the bottom of the league, and then he thinks, right, I need to get away from here. So you know, the best way for him to get away from Bournemouth. Would have not been to keep him in the league, but mm. to get relegated. Yeah, that was the only way he was going to get get away from Bournemouth. Yeah, and it, it's a shame. It's a shame. It, you know, him, Weasel, King, Brooks. They're they're the main four because you know, I mean, I can understand a little bit with Callum because he's playing for England. Yeah, but but with the other three, you can play in the second division and still play for your country. Yeah, so. Yeah. You know why are they why are they down tools? I don't know. Mm. And you could see it because they they weren't you know, that that side that went up. Players like Mark Pugh and Simon Francis, Charlie Daniels. Every every game was an adventure to them, and they would they would they would run until they were absolutely exhausted. But you could just see in the lack of tracking back and effort last year that you move to a, what's supposedly a better class of player, but they. They haven't. They haven't got that hunger of having no. played lower league football their life, and that you could see it in the side. And that was yeah. the bit with, with maybe Eddie stayed with them too, some of them too long, or I don't know what it was. But and I think going back to players of your generation, John, you know when you were playing that late nineties side, a lot of those players you came from non league. You know, Youngie came from a, a smaller club, didn't he? Or, or Tottenham, rather Tottenham reserves. <laughs> What? I meant, sorry, sorry, let me rephrase that. Tottenham reserves, he wasn't in the first team. So he had a point to yeah. prove. What I'm saying is, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. you all had points to prove in that side. And Ian, it, Cox. Ian Cox was a brilliant Ian player. Cox. He kept non league. Yeah. 
Jamie Vincent had a point to prove. Yeah. You know, there, were, there were lots of players who were making the, the effort and that's what we had when we went up to the yeah. Premier League. But I think all those players, they got a bit long in the tooth and the newer ones coming in were just different attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you said, the ones you mentioned who were hungry, the ones, uh, uh, and they're the ones that weren't playing for their countries. They're the ones that had things to prove. Yeah. The four that I just mentioned, I think it was just all to do with, they thought they were better than they were. Yeah. Well, they've still, you know, Kingy's still there. Brooks is still there. They've, you know, they've got they've got an opportunity to to put it right. So hopefully they'll listen to this and think, yeah, we'll prove you wrong. No, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they won't. They won't. Yeah. I mean, King's not going to go now, is he? No, he's only got three days left. And Can't see it. Can't see it. Even if someone comes in for him, he's still not going to go. He's going to wait to the end of the season. So that he can just leave on a free, get more money. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, um, so, what did you do? What do you do after the game? Did, I, I guess once you've taken the insurance payout, that kind of limits where you can play and stuff, doesn't it? What, what, what did you, what did you do? So, well, funny enough, three days after I finished playing, I went and so before that, I where I was living in Victoria Park Road in Bournemouth, I had a, a couple of brickies come round and, and build a, a, a wall for me. And um, I told them what I was doing and blah, blah, blah. And I was not playing. I was injured and I was thinking of, you know, retiring. And they said, so while they were around there, I knocked up for them. I had knocked up all their muck. And um, one of the guys said to me, look, I think he was messing about at the time. He said to me, if you retire and you want a, a job, then you know, we'll give you a job. So I said, okay, then. So when I retired, I phoned him up and I said, look, I've retired. Any chance there's a job? And he said, yeah, okay, you can come and knock up for us. So three days after I finished playing for Bournemouth, I went and was sort of like working on a building site. I went from <laughs> getting £1,300 a week to £40 a day. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't waste any time, really. And you've still had sort of connections with non-league football, haven't you? You've done done some stuff in the, with some of the New Forest teams, haven't you? Yes, I'll, yeah, I went, I went around a, a few of the, few of the clubs, um, and then my my son, I started coaching his side when he was six, and sort of left when when he turned eighteen. Was that Brockenhurst? And, and how's the back now? Yeah, no, it's fine. It's yep. fine. Yeah, it's just the, the knees and the calves and all that now. So if we if we were to recruit you for a back of the net football team, you could join our, our all star side. Is that right? Um, <laughs> twenty minutes. <laughs> Super we'll go, sub. We'll bring you on as a sub for Willie Huck. That's what we'll do. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Fantastic. Well. Brilliant. John, you know, thanks for joining us. It's been, it's been great to to go down memory lane and to get your thoughts on the current team. You know, there's lo- lots of stuff there that I'm sure fans will will enjoy listening to. And and we, you know, we we're eternally grateful. Both Neil and I were there at Wembley, and we'll never forget yeah. that. So never forget that moment. And uh, and I think I still think it'll be a long time before another Bournemouth player scores at Wembley. So oh, uh, I hope so. I bet you were, deli- <laughs> I bet you were delighted when the when the uh, playoff final was at the Millennium, weren't you? 
I was even more delighted at Tottenham. Yeah, and it got disallowed, didn't it? Who was who scored it? Was oh it? God, no, I can't remember now. Yeah. Anyway, I was delighted at that. <laughs> so, so still Spurs first, Cherry second, eh? Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Final question: Who are you still in touch with out the old out the old team? Who who do you who do well, you? Well, I, I Neil Young. I yeah. message, you know, we still keep in touch. Um, Jonesy. All right, yeah, yeah. He came and stayed at mine in the summer. Um, yes, I messaged um, Robbo a couple of times. I messaged yeah. him the other week about him getting the sack or leaving. Hey. Or whatever. Brilliant. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, John. It's, no, it's, thank it's, you. it's been great having you on. And, um, yeah, cult hero, you will always be one of those for us. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) Direct and to the point. You're not kidding. That was John Bailey. Still to this day, Wembley's only Bournemouth goalscorer. Of course, Callum Wilson did it for England. And when we played Spurs in that 5-0 defeat at Wembley Stadium, Stanislas did put it between the posts, but he was ruled out for offside. So he's still got that record for now. Hopefully, at some point in the future, that might change. Hey, brilliant interview. Okay, so there we go. That's another one in the can. Of course, you can watch it if you want. It's on youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. A bit of footage intermingled with that as well. And plus, well, we've got a two-parter coming up, you audio listeners here in podcast land. And those are comprising the thoughts and words of Ted McDougall. Legend. The nine-goal FA Cup goal-scoring hero. We talk about his career, his highlights, and you know what? He's a bit outspoken about what's happening today as well. You cannot miss that. You can watch it, of course, on YouTube already, should you wish to. But if you want to wait, we'll get it into your ears as soon as possible. So bear with us. We'll be putting it out in the forthcoming weeks. Until then, though, thanks for listening to the Lockdown Interviews. Fletcher and Steen looking to get in again. The goalkeeper come a long way. And Bailey started in. John Bailey, one-time non-league player, came into the professional game late at 26 and makes a dream first appearance at the big stadium with a goal. Podcast Network.